The 2023 signing day signing class is in the books. We'll tell you how it complements the 2022 class, the players you need to look out for, and of course, how is it going to affect our goal to get to Atlanta? We'll talk about all of that on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. You know, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell, comment down below, and of course, upvote the video. Also, we'd like to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. This is the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Anyway, this class is 98% in the book. And at the time of my recording, um, DJ Holmes has not announced. Now, we feel pretty good about it, but we will talk about him if he commits and signs to Ole Miss in tomorrow's show. But for now... We're going to concentrate on the group that is here and talk about them in their totality. Lane Kiffin today in his press conference spent most of the time complaining about NIL and the transfer portal and all the changes that we told you have happened in the past couple of weeks. And But not really, not a lot talking about his signing class. Now, one thing he did mention was it was his job to make sure the roster is as talented as possible. And that's the reason he brought in Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard. And he's looking forward for the competition to happen. He sounds confident in Jackson Dart moving forward. Um, but he also mentioned specifically working with the young guy and bringing him along as well. So that was the, I don't know, the addition of the late press conference today. Like I said, this signing class is 98% done. And if you look at it, these high school signees that they got today and um, back in December, because Chamberlain Campbell and Mana Time Mamie, Maney, sorry about that, um, signed. Um, but you have seven or eight players that are a four-star and at least one publication. That That's important to, for people to realize. Now, the Bell Cow... Of this class is Suntarian Perkins. He's a five-star-plus player. I think on, on three, he's like a 98.5%. He's the, like the 15th or 16th player in the country. He is a man-child. He is the, he is the person that everybody is going to point to on this staff and somebody that everybody wanted. We can't wait to see what Suntarian does on the field. But he is not alone. He might take some of the credit away. But there are some real players that Ole Miss signed in this class. Aiden Williams, saw him at the Under Armour All-American game. Really great player. Some fantastic hands. Outstanding catch radius and a really good route runner. He has the chance to get on the field next year. And even though we're going to talk about players that Ole Miss has in the transfer portal and how stacked that room is getting, I think Aiden Williams has a chance to get out there as well. Braxton Myers. Famous for making the first three tackles in the 
um, All-American Bowl in San Antonio. It was the San Antonio All-American game. I never get the name right on that one. Really, really good player. Kedrick Riscano should have been the MVP of the Polynesian Bowl. Ten carries, over 100 yards rushing, and a touchdown for the young back out of Texas. Really good running back. Ole Miss has a real type when it comes to these backs. He has a chance to be really good and honestly do a lot of the same stuff that Zach Evans did last year. So we'll see how he does. You have Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. Potentially other players could get in the transfer portal and come to Ole Miss, but that room is fairly stacked. Jamarius Brown. We do not talk about Jamarius much, and we should. Because he's a really good defensive line. If we talk about the athleticism that J.J. Pekis possesses, that's kind of the same way that Jamarius goes about playing the game. This is a kid that is playing you know, interior defensive line, like a three technique. Out there at defensive end, playing linebacker. He's blocking punts. Super athletic guy from Moss Point. Another four-star player. These are really good players that we're rolling off. Because if you look at Ole Miss's high school hall, just their high school hall, they're averaging nearly a four-star um, in their signings. Bryson Sanders, offensive lineman out of the Baylor School in Chattanooga. Um, he's the one that he was on the team that beat Marcel Reed. Um, I think the quarterback is Whit Muschamp. That's Will Muschamp's son. Um, so we'll see exactly how that goes. Javante Connor, he's a three-star. He would be a four-star if he didn't move before his last year. He ended up in North Carolina, showed out a little bit. Really good player at tight end. Now, Ole Miss has it tight end. They have Caden Priestcorn, who's a transfer portal from this year, Michael Trigg, Javante Connor, Kyron Heath. This is a room that's a lot more full than it was last year. They've handled the roster issue that's going on. Interior offensive lineman Ethan Fields, he was a Purdue flip. Um, Daniel Demery, I like his game playing around um, Dallas. As well, he's a really physical safety. Caden Lee. We don't talk much about Caden Lee but because he committed so late in the afternoon. But this is a slot receiver. This 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 is a guy that favors pretty well, even with guys like Elijah Moore and, and those guys that played the slot. He's a true slot receiver, which we needed. We talk about Jordan Watkins all the time and how at times it looked like he was an outside receiver playing inside if that makes sense at all. But Caden Lee is a true slot. He's going to pressure that. He's going to figure out if he can get on the field early. But I, I'm thinking Caden Lee could make some plays. And A.J. Brown, um, or Ahmad Brown, from Georgia, another defensive back, good player. The high school class that Ole Miss has signed is really good. And like I said, they average nearly a four-star. There's eight players out of the 14 or 15 players that are a four-star in at least one publication. They're all really close. Um, Skylar Mann, he's a little bit on the lower end, and the two new guys are a little bit below that as well. Chamberlain Campbell, he's up a little bit. He's got that going for, but Manitou Maney, um, he still needs to be uh, evaluated and things like that. But the, the roster of these players out of high school, really good. Now, if you mix those with the high, the transfer portal players, where you get Chris Marshall, a five-star, Walker Howard, a five-star, 
Spencer Sanders, a four-year starter at quarterback. Offensive linemen that are all-conference all players. Receivers that are all-conference players. And what is coming into the program is better than what is going out of the program. And everybody's going to point to Tysheem and Davidson. And honestly, if you're going to look at absolute production of how they played, that is not something that can't be replicated. Now, their potential might be really good, but their current, the current additions of what they are is not what their potential says they could be. So we're just having to replace production at this point. We're not having to replace potential. We have potential, but we're having to replace production. So we'll see exactly how that goes. Good luck to Davidson, Ohio State. Good luck at Taishim at Oregon. But those are the guys that are really the ones that we are going to miss. Now, Chamberlain Campbell and potentially DJ Holmes, like I said, by the time you watch this, he will have committed and there will have an answer. By the time I'm recording this, though, he has not quite done that yet. So they're trying to fill the need of the jack position. They're trying to fill the need of the linebacker position. Those are the two positions of need right now coming out of this signing day. That I'm not saying Ole Miss can't get where they want to be. I'm not saying Ole Miss won't get where they want to be. I'm saying they're not there yet. So we'll see. After spring practice, there could be players step up. After the um, spring transfer portal season, there could be players coming in. And all of this is on the table. But we'll see exactly how it happens um, in the meantime. But I'm really, really excited for this 2023 class. You can, you can hear it in my voice, honestly. There's some players that are going to be really fun to watch for Ole Miss fans. The quarterback competition is going to be really fun. And then you have play positions like the wide receiver room, the running back room, the tight end room that is actually more talented and fuller than they've been in recent years. The offensive line, we lose one player, we bring in five. They have restocked the offensive side of the ball. Very cool to see. Now, like I said, defensively this year, it could be a little clunky because with the system change, you've recruited to that other system for two years. They're not going to fit perfectly. So have a little patience on that side of the ball but the offensive side of the ball has a chance to be so good. I'm so excited about that. Um, anyway, it, it should be a lot of fun. Anyway, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It is a number one sports book in America. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they have the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you are new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. So down, download FanDuel now and you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Their prop bets are actually really, really cool. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, when you win, you get paid instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel the official sportsbook partner 
of the NFL. All right. Thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. For your second listen, head on over to Locked On um, NFL Draft. It's heading down to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the host that covered the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft board these players will be climbing. All in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. We're going to turn the page a little bit, and there's something that is going on that I think people are taking the wrong way. We'll put it like that. Greg Sankey said that something needs to change with the early signing day because December has gotten too busy for college coaches. They are worried about the coaching changes happening early and earlier, and they're worried about how that's going to go. So naturally, people go away just like, oh, is it going to go back to the way it was? And the answer is no. The answer it is absolutely not going to go back to the way it was. But this is what I think could happen. And that is the early signing day, which is currently around December 17th, somewhere in that ballpark, moves to like August 4th. The early signing day before the season, just like basketball, just like baseball, football is the only season that is a postseason signing sport. This gives them the opportunity for those early guys to sign early and for the later guys to wait until February. Calendar kind of straightens up a little bit, okay? And you get the 10, 12, 15 kids that you have signed and recruited all about, and they sign in August, you go through your season, and then the next patch will be in February. You have the transfer portal in the middle, and the December period is a little bit less congested because not only now do you not need to fire a coach in September, not only does the December period become less stressful, you absolutely, for the first two-thirds of the month, just remove that from the equation entirely by those guys signing in August. Because this is the flip side that people need to keep in mind. If they got rid of the early signing day, it would not, it would not lower the workload for college coaches. Not even a little bit. If anything, it would make it more because all of those would be going for those that pinnacle day that's coming up in February. That also means that you will not have those high school kids to recruit the transfer portal off of. You will not have that group to supplement off of because so, you're not going to know who you would have. So you would sign your transfer portal class first and then determine needs. That, that, that doesn't work either. So what they're probably going to do is signing in August. They'll have a signing day on like August 4th, August 5th. Heck, they might even do it like August 15th, somewhere in the middle where the season's right up there and you can have an early signing day and get into the season right before the weeks the high school season starts and all of this and ESPN can make a big deal out of it. Then you play your season. The coach gets a lot more leeway because you don't have to rush because that signing day's already happened. It's already in um, in bed, and you have until February before the next one. And you also have until mid-January 
to sign transfer portal guys. So it does not really affect you in any negative way. This is the best way, in my opinion, to lower the workload in December, to lower the coaching casualties, to make, honestly, February signing day mean a little bit more, and that is have a preseason early signing day. Move it from December 17th to August 17th. If you do that, it would go a long way to fixing most of the problems that college football currently has. Now, it's interesting. Now, media members, whenever they hear that we have to do something about December, they think that December is going to go away. If that's the problem, they think that's going to go away. But that's not the case. They want less work in December. They want it to be less hectic. With the transfer portal, which is not going away, that has become the number one avenue throughout December and January. They need to figure out what to do with that early signing day. And the way you can do it is to make it a preseason event. Now, surely there will be guys that won't sign. The numbers will be closer to 50-50, early signing day and late signing day. But isn't that kind of what you want anyway? You want the February signing day. We talked about yesterday about how Ole Miss having their, their ability to get five kids potentially and five kids being names to watch. And that was like a busy day for Ole Miss sports, Ole Miss football. So wouldn't it be cool if it, that number was like eight or nine in February, just pretty consistently? And recruiting, which is basically a year-round proposition anyway, you sign a number in, um, in August, you get some transfer portals in December and January, you get some February. And then whatever's need, you supplement in the late window. And if that happens, it works entirely. That is just my opinion of what's going on. I, I, I do think um, early signing day is going away as a December proposition. I do think it's going to move to August, and I think it'll be a preseason event. You don't see many people talking about that right now. Um, and I think that's just because they heard what was said, and they immediately, oh, yeah, we're going to go back to the way it was. No. Toothpaste is out of the tube. Never going back to the way it was. That would create more work for college coaching staffs in December and January. They want less work. The whole purpose of this is less work. And by moving that early signing day to preseason and kind of spreading out those signings, you have a chance to do exactly that. Just my opinion. Anyway, we got Tim Thomas coming up. He's going to talk about the Ole Miss loss to Kentucky. Deshaun Ruffin um, shutting it down for the season, and you know what are we gonna what do we do now? So we'll see exactly what happens. Anyway, stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, comment down below, and of course, upvote the video itself. I'm here with Tim Thomas, and we are talking Ole Miss basketball. It's been a struggle this season. I hate that we started doing this, Tim, with this team to where you're having to go through this. Uh, but, I mean, whenever we start winning pretty good, I think this this could turn out to be a decent thing. But how you doing, Tim? 
I'm doing good. Yeah, you know, there were some bright spots last night. In the season, there's been some bright spots. It started off good with the tournament, you know, down in Orlando, and we, we thought things were going well. Uh, Sean, issues or injuries, you know, and but uh, there were some bright spots last night. Kentucky, we gave them all they wanted. They're not a great team. Uh, they're on the bubble, as you might have heard. They're on the bubble, so – if they're in a bubble, that means they're not very good. So if you first four out or first four in, you're just teetering. Uh, and I don't want to throw out a conspiracy theory, but it seemed like there were several calls last night that the referees just kind of looked at Kermit like, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, I said, I wonder if the SEC offices, my all, people from the SEC office said, Kentucky needs to win, you know, all those fans, all that money. Mm-hmm. But surely not. But, it, you know, it seemed that way to me for a second. Yeah, um, those calls go for Kentucky more often than they don't. It just happens at this point. Um, but the main story that happened yesterday, yes, Ole Miss lost the game to Kentucky, but it was Deshaun Ruffin shutting it down for the season. Um, obviously, he has an ACL injury that he's recovering from, and I tell people all the time, that is an 18-month injury. You might be able to structurally come back in six months, but you actually need that extra time to get back to where you were. So this is probably a good thing, but also Ruffin could end up in the transfer portal at the end of the season. If there is a change um, and they make a change with Kermit, there's going to be an exodus of players. We saw LSU ended up with one scholarship player, one player. Uh, So what should we take from this Ruffin thing right now? Um, like you said, you know, I had a meniscus tear myself. I never had an ACL, so I'm not familiar with it exactly. But I, I agree, it takes time and time. And they may have rushed him back, but I understand the uh, the doctor supposed, supposedly cleared him. But uh, for whatever reason, uh, maybe a little attitude issue dealing there. I don't know. Maybe a little nil issue we dealing there. And but he's a great player. But just being truthful, when we were playing before he got on the court, I think you brought this up. We were playing much better as a team. Everything was going better. And when Ruffin came back, for whatever reason, things just didn't jive. The chemistry wasn't there. So that that's an issue that we've had to deal with since he came back. So maybe if Morrell comes back this Saturday uh, against Vandy, maybe we can get it all together and, and win a game against Vandy because they got drilled by Alabama last night. Ooh. Yeah, that 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 that, w- that was pretty brutal. Alabama beat them by like fifty-seven points or something like that. It was at the point where Nate Oates, after the game, was like apologizing um, to Vandy. It, it was just one of those like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mean, it just kind of happened. But yeah, there there was a lot of series of events that happened in that game that was a little bit weird that it caused Alabama to go on that early run that got going. Anyway, Ole Miss lost the game against Kentucky, a game that they were tied at halftime. A game that, obviously, we just talked about. They played without Deshaun Ruffin. They played without Matthew Morrell. It was completely led by the two freshman guards. And you saw flashes of what they can be. And, honestly, Ole Miss lost the game to Kentucky. But that's that's not necessarily news. Ole Miss loses a lot of games to Kentucky over their history. But the fact that these two freshman guards, they're probably going to take us anywhere that we want to go in the immediate future, don't you think? Yeah, Abram and Caldwell are very good, uh, very offensively good, and uh, they play decent defense too. Uh, hopefully we can keep them. Like you said, I don't know with the uh, if Kermit is let go of, which I believe he will be, 
I'm not sure who's on deck, but uh, I have my ideas and thoughts who might be coming. But uh, they're definitely leading this team. The rest of the way, we got, what, nine games left in, in the uh, – the Tuesday in the SEC tournament, so really 10 games the way it looks to me. But Abram, as you saw, he shot the ball really well. He shot the ball earlier in the year until, like we said, Ruffin came back and he lost his confidence. He, they moved him over to second guard, shoot guard. Things didn't work out. And Caldwell, he is very talented. You see how he can really get up. He jumps really well. Uh, so I'm proud of him too. So that's a good nucleus. Uh, if we can get some inside guy, guys next year for inside presence, he has like three on the uh, signing list. And we need shooting guards. I don't know where we got to go. We maybe need to go up to the northeast or northwest or somewhere. We got to get some guys that can shoot the ball. You watch Wisconsin and some of those teams, Indiana, they got guys out there can nail the ball. They put the ball in the hole. And we don't have that. We just don't have kids. That, I guess Abra. Abram may be the closest to having a pure shooter that we got. We we need pure shooters, people that can nail it any game, every game, and we need several of them to, mm-hmm. to uh, and then have a good inside presence for next year. Yeah, your lips to God's ears, right there. Uh, anyway, what is now for Ole Miss hoops? We got ten games left. What does the Ole Miss basketball fan? Because you know. The NCAA tournaments is is an afterthought. It will not happen this year. Ole Miss is likely playing on the first game in the SEC tournament. What is now? What do we need to look for right now, um, for hope for anything in the future? The two guards, like you said, the freshman guards, Abram and Caldwell, uh, Brakeman, Brakefield. I'm sorry, has a uh, another year, so I think he'll be back. He he he. At time, he has some flashes. He can shoot the ball really well and. Kind of gets in there and makes some plays, but that's the three that I feel like there's a chance. We named last week the guys that are leaving, so there's six of them leaving, and you might as well say two or three more transfer portals. We I thought James White would really come through and make some plays. He does at times, but a lot of games he just don't show up. I'm not sure why. McKenna's inside, you know, makes some plays. Uh, Cuba, he's kind of non-existent. He had a, a little layup last night that. I believe I could still make, and he should have dunked it. They said he has a seven-six wingspan. I mean, he could have dumped it on his tiptoes, but he didn't. He he missed it. He missed a little short layup, which is kind of disappointing to realize that that he could do that. And the other guys, Robert Allen, at times makes a few plays inside. He's a hustler, and he can, you know, shoot the ball in the paint. He don't need to get out further than that. He don't need to get out there to try to shoot. The same same with your boy uh, Miles Burns. Is there anyone on that team? Maybe any player that Ole Miss has ever had that hustles and gives it his all his heart every single play. He makes steals. He makes tips. He passes the ball well. Uh, if he could shoot outside the three consistently, he, he would be going pro for sure. Yeah, it, that the offensive portion of his game is the fault. He's got the athleticism, everything else. I, I do love watching him play basketball. Um, and even when he misses a dunk, which he does about every two games, it seems like it's like a crazy dunk. It's 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 amazing that anybody would have the audacity to even try that. And I mean, I'm going I'm going to miss Miles Burns um, next year. And I think that offensively, the strategy that we had, because you can see what Kermit thought. He thought, okay, we have Ruffin coming back. He's going to be all right. We've got Morrell, who's an NFL guy. We need guys that can lock people down. So Kermit went and got really, defensive players. 
Yeah, he think he thought Mbala was going to be a player too. Go ahead. Yeah, and it just didn't turn out that way. Ruffin was not completely healthy. Morrell went into a confidence drought this season that that have, has really affected him from the outside. And what that has le- been left with is those defensive guys have become the main guys. And that's led to scoring doubt, droughts and everything else. And I think it was just a tactical mistake by Kermit before the season started. Yeah, it's going to cost him his job, just to be very blunt. It's going to cost him his job. You make choices. Life's full of choices, right? So uh, he, he decided to go with those defensive guys. He really thought, remember, maybe I've talked about this enough, Mbala from Buffalo, the transfer. He, they really thought he was a player. He could really score also. Good defensive player. And you can see him. He, see him he's a big guy. Uh, has a decent shooting touch. He's hit a few, he had 18 one game. And you can see the potential there. But for the injury issue or attitude issue, it's hard to know exactly. Uh, he didn't come through. But, you know, we're going to Vandy this Saturday. Uh Hey, they got beat, like you said, bad by Bama, and they'll be probably back, you know, wanting to play hard and try to – but it'd be a good team for both of us, a big game for both of us to try to win. And uh, if we can get our stuff together and Morrell come back and play 100% or close to it, if he just helps us out on defensive front. He don't have to score all those points. We just need help defensively because we had several errors the second half. We just ran out of gas. We just ran out of gas. Abram, he would give him a spell every once in a while. You give them three-point shooters, you'd like to give them a break every so often and so they can come back out with fresh legs. And he'd done that several times, and it would have been nice if, you know, they had people to come in like James Watt. If he'd have came in and knocked a few threes while everyone's on the, on the sideline. But it, it didn't happen. It is what it is. got to deal with it. So uh, hopefully we can go up to Vandy and have a good game and maybe pull a win off there, maybe go to Georgia. Uh, and pull off one, but uh, not many uh, wins left in the schedule. Yeah, um, before we get out of here, though, um, you bring up an excellent point. Um, what's it like to play in Memorial Gymnasium? That's that's a weird place. It's pretty cool. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, you sit on the ends. Uh, now, like in, when we played Kevin McKellar in Minnesota, you actually are down on the floor. You have to walk up a, a little step to get up to the floor. But Vandy's not like that. You're actually on the floor. You're just on the ends. And when you go into, uh, if you're a sub, you go in, you go in over here on the side. Now, the, the, the people are kind of down low uh, on the side to let you in on the game. And you, it's just it's kind of kind of up on a stage, kind of. But you have to get used to it. You get used to it after a while. We had luck, good luck. I think we won most of our games up there. It's not far away. It's not a long trip. Your legs don't get tired. So I, I think we'll beat them. I think we'll have, have a good chance if Morrell if Morel comes back. Morrell comes back and these other guys continue doing well, I think we'll win this uh, this area. All right. Thanks, kid, for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand-new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Tim, thank you very much for um, stopping by the show today, talking about that. I know it's a long season, but they're going to turn this around eventually, and we're going to get to enjoy that, I think. That, 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 I think that's what we need to focus on. Yeah, we got to be positive, Steve. we got to be positive. So we, maybe we can get a couple of wins, but our main uh, emphasis is going to be looking for next year, looking at the recruiting, what shooters, in, whoever the coach is. We can talk about maybe next week or the week after. I think it'll be coming around where uh, 
some possible coaching names may be coming up and we maybe we uh, touch on that okay sure thing all right take care bud i'll see you next week Howdy, Howdy, Howdy.